I'll just sit there and enjoy it. Hey, listen, um, I, before we, I mean, we, we have three speakers this morning that are going to bless you with uh, what the Lord has laid on their heart. But before we get into that, and I'm going to, you know, I'm kind of in the mood to get in some trouble this morning. Yeah, is that okay? Is that okay with you guys? I'm in the mood to get in a little bit of trouble this morning. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, and I want to say this very clearly. Uh, I just want to touch briefly on what has been in the news front and center this last week. Um, I have to tell you that the timing of this is astounding to me. For those who are unaware, this last week, uh, the Supreme Court had a leak regarding the decision about Roe v. Wade and abortion in this country. Now, some of you are fully aware of this, and some of you are maybe not. It's not going, let's just be clear about this, it's not going to stop abortion in this country. It's going to become a state's rights issue and things like that, but I am overwhelmed. I read this while I was in a conference on, I want to say it was Monday morning or Tuesday. I want to say it was Tuesday. I was, I was reading this in a conference, and I was really overwhelmed with joy at uh, this being overturned or eventually being overturned. And I want to say this. I know some pastors and some people would warn me to stay away from this topic. They would say, listen, it's Mother's Day and people just want a happy word to, a, you know, they just want a happy word and then go enjoy brunch, right? Because that's what happy, you know, Mother's Day can be a lot of times. It's not a day about serious things is what they would say. It's not a day about serious things. Oh, and also as a man, uh, I shouldn't tell any woman what to do with their bodies, right? To that, I would say this. You are wrong. You are weak. You are one of the reasons the church is weak. And you should consider doing something else for a living. If you're a pastor, if you're hearing me, if you don't stand up for life, you're not standing up for the word of God. As a church, as a Christian, if you're not standing up for life, you are not standing up for the word of God. If people who claim to love God and love the Bible and follow Jesus won't stand up for the lives of the innocent, what are we doing? What are we doing? My, I got to tell you this. I, my blood has been boiling this last week. Just boiling. And, and my heart has been grieved this last week, honestly, to see people who claim to love Jesus declare their support for abortion. People who claim to love Jesus and love the Lord and call themselves Christians have been in support of abortion. And you say, Pastor David, there's so many nuanced things. And what if this happens and statistics? And I have seen people post pro-choice, pro-women, manipulative, demonic agendas on social media this last week. And I was in San Diego, and I was ready to start blasting people on Facebook. I mean, I was just ready to just go off. How many know uh, that's not always the best idea, right? I stepped back because I knew in approaching this, I couldn't be speaking from my own judgment, my own anger, which there's a lot of. When we speak, we want to speak from the, from the Word of God. Amen? How many know when we speak, we want to speak from the Word of God? So let us clearly look at what the Bible says regarding this. Jeremiah 1.4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. 
Psalms 22 verse 9 says, Yet you are he who took me from my mother's womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Genesis 25 verse 22 concerning the pregnancy of Rebekah with her twins Jacob and Esau. The Bible says the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, Lord, why is this happening to me? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. The Bible is consistent on life being in the womb. The Bible is consistent on God's hand being on our lives before birth. The Bible is consistent, and in case you're unsure where this church stands or where this pastor stands, I want you to know that we stand unapologetically for life. Unapologetically. And you say, Pastor David, what about this situation or that situation? And, and usually when people bring that up, they're, they're referring to like less than 1% of situations. Medical things and things like that. And I understand there's difficult and drastic and dramatically, I mean, decisions I can't even imagine that sometimes mothers have to face medically. I, I listened to the testimony again this morning of uh, Tim Tebow's mom, who uh, Tim Tebow, in case you're not aware, uh, was basically told he was just a, a clump of fetal cells and would have no function. Would, basically, his mother was, said, uh, was told, you need to abort this baby in order to save your life now. And she said, we're not going to do that. We're going to believe on the Lord. And then he was born. He was the biggest in their family. He became the most athletic, the most known. And it's a testimony. There are people in situations, I mean, the hardest decisions in their life could be in choosing life. Many of you know that my wife uh, became pregnant with Jocelyn before I met her and that I had the privilege of adopting Jocelyn pretty early on. But there were those in Jackie's life who were telling her to get an abortion. And in a time when she was young and scared and ashamed, she told those people that abortion was never a choice that she would consider. She chose to be a mother and is a blessing to me and our kids. Amen? In thinking about what it means to be a mother, I'm not a mother. I can't tell you what it's like to be a mother. But I can tell you that being a father and adopting Jocelyn is one of the greatest joys of my life. Being able to adopt a child is one of the greatest joys. And with that being said, I want to bring up a mother who has gone through the process and adopted a beautiful baby boy. Please welcome Mel Screepeg. Thank you. Well, good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. Get set up here. And happy Mother's Day to my own mother, Mary. Um, God bless her for raising an only child. 
And um, happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law, Tina. I love having you as a mother-in-law. So, And you get a shout out since you're not up here today. So, <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I'm going to share a really good story with you t- this morning. Um, it's one that I've waited a long time to tell. And so my hope this morning would be to encourage you with what God has done for me and what I've learned on my way to becoming a mother. Um, Former First Lady Laura Bush, in her memoir, wrote, The English language lacks the words to mourn an absence. For the loss of a parent, grandparent, spouse, child, or friend, we have all manner of words and phrases, some helpful and some not. Still, we are conditioned to say something, even if it is only, I'm sorry for your loss. But for an absence, for someone who is never there at all, we are wordless to capture that particular emptiness. For those who deeply want children and are denied them, those missing babies hover like silent ephemeral shadows over their lives. Who can describe the, who can describe the feel of a tiny hand that is never held? For years, my husband and Austin, my husband Austin and I struggled to have a child, and there was nothing we could do to control our inability to do so. We had fertility testing done after a couple of years, which turned out to be mostly undiagnosed, and we never felt peace about pursuing fertility treatments, and we don't believe there's anything wrong with this. It just wasn't for us. And it was hard to sit back and watch life go on as people continued to have babies and their children continued to grow throughout the years. There were many prayers prayed and many tears shed. It didn't always feel safe to share our struggle with others because most of the people we knew never really struggled with this and what words could they say that could fix it? And so I'm sorry to say that we battled infertility mostly on our own. I did have someone that could relate, though, that I turned time and time again to over the years, and I would like to introduce you to her, and I know Jackie touched on her last year, um, but her name is Hannah, and she can be found in 1 Samuel 1, and I'm just going to start in verse 5, and if you didn't know, um, Hannah's husband Elkanah took on a second wife, Peninnah, so I'll pick up in verse 5 here, Um, but to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? The Bible says in verse 5 that the Lord had closed her womb, and it felt like I had that in common with her. Now, I'm grateful that Austin never took on a second wife. Otherwise, I think we'd have a few things to talk about, right? (laughs) I don't know where he's at. But but I've always been encouraged with Hannah's trust in God and her persistence in prayer. And I'm going to pick up in verse 9 here where we find her praying. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head." 
And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Hannah knew God like not many people do. She was praying so honestly and hard that Eli the priest thought she was drunk. Oh, how I would have loved to know the conversation that Hannah had with God that day. Hannah poured her bitterness and grief into the Lord's hand, the one who had closed her womb. Hannah remembered God first. She trusted him, and she begged him to remember her. I believe in this moment that she held nothing back. After all, what did she have to lose? Hannah had an abundance of complaints and grief that she continually gave over to the Lord. In the midst of battling infertility, I had some really hard days. From seeing pregnancy announcements, attending baby showers, couples getting pregnant quickly, and even Mother's Day was a hard day. A lot of times I felt guilty for harboring jealousy and bitterness in my heart. But I stayed close to Jesus because he is the only hope that I had. He reminded me that he wanted all of me, all of my bitterness, sadness, and anger. And he taught me that he was the safest landing place for all of these feelings that I was wrestling through. He was not afraid of the pity parties I threw for myself, but I knew that he didn't want me to stay there. I learned from Hannah the need to pray out my grief to the one who knew my grief even better than I knew it myself. I chose to trust him and believe that he had a plan, even if I never became a mother. And that was a really hard prayer to pray. Um, we had always felt the call to adopt, and so in May of 2020, as I was finishing grad school and the world was being crazy, um, we decided it was the best time to move forward with uh, moving forward with adopting. And so we picked out an agency and adoption paperwork as labor pains of its own. Uh, we had FBI background checks done, we did drug tests, uh, submitted all of our health records, our bank statements, childhood histories, and what felt to be every little detail to our agency to get a home study approved. And so our home study was approved in August of 2020 and we were officially showing our profile to expectant mothers. Adoptions have hard and honest realities, including how a baby was conceived, a birth mother's potential struggle with substance use, physical and mental health concerns, and potential legal ramifications, and the list goes on. We knew that a child was not merely a product to consume, and so we wanted to be obedient and being willing to raise a child coming from a hard place. So we showed our profile once right away in August, and we ended up being one of three families that the birth mother was interested in, but um, she ultimately decided to go with a different family, and it felt devastating. It was our first time showing our profile, and we had high hopes, but... And then another opportunity came shortly thereafter, and we were what felt to be rejected again. Um, around this time, there were a few couples that had recently announced they were pregnant, and surprisingly, these hit me hard, and I had yet another Hannah prayer. 
And I held, I held nothing back when I dropped to my knees on our bathroom floor. I had nothing to lose in this moment. It had been years since we desired a child, and didn't God know that we were being obedient and showing our profile amidst hard circumstances? And why did it seem easy for these couples to get pregnant so quickly? What I knew in my head did not translate to how I felt in the moment. I did not know how to close the gap between what my head knew and what my heart felt. God was teaching me how to be unafraid and confronting him with my unanswered prayer. And then it was around that time that I felt the Holy Spirit, just you wait. And I wasn't sure if it was the Holy Spirit at the time, but now I know. Um, and at the time, I was kind of like, okay, God, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm just sick of waiting. So, um, But I imagine it was a similar exchange that Hannah had when she poured out to her grief to the Lord and she walked away no longer sad. And I walked out of the bathroom that day still trusting him. Um, things were silent for a while that fall, and in January of 2021, we had our third opportunity. Um, we showed our profile, and we felt confident about it, but then the next day, I got the dreaded text from our social worker. I know this isn't the answer you were hoping to hear, but the birth mother decided to move forward with a different family. And these, these moments were brutal, but the Lord kept reminding me that hope seen is not hope at all, and to not lose hope or lower my expectations. And then a month later, in February of 2021, we were presented with our fourth opportunity. Her baby boy was due in mid-April, and honestly, this was a hard decision for us. Um, this birth mom disclosed that she didn't want to have an open adoption, and this was something that was always important to us. We wanted to offer our child a relationship with his birth mother, but it was, yeah, again, something that I couldn't control, and, I was, and it was really no reason not to show our profile. So showed our profile. And so on February 24th, 2021, our social worker called and she told us that we were chosen. We showed our profile. Oh, <laughs> I wept afterwards, full of hope, gratitude, wonder, awe, excitement, and if I'm honest, a little fear. Um, Birth mom didn't know if she wanted to meet us, and so we would just be on hold with any birth plans. We ran into some potential legal ramifications on March 10th, and we prayed about it. We felt the Lord wanted us to move forward with the plan, as birth mom still wanted us to be this little boy's parents, and we wanted to honor her decision. And so the next day, on March 11th, we told our agency we wanted to move forward with the adoption, knowing we may not get to keep him. And reminder, he wasn't due for at least another month. So then on the very next day, on March 12, 2021, at 7.32 in the morning, um, I see a text from Austin as I'm getting ready to go work out. And he said, you need to answer your phone because you're not going to believe this. And I thought that it was just um, some more legal stuff. But um, so I answered the phone call from Heather, our social worker, and she told me that birth mom's water had broken that night and that she was dilated to a seven and that she wanted us to be there. And we didn't know that until that day. And she was two hours away. So um, I don't know why our social worker told me to pack a bag. So I thought that I needed to pack a bag. So, um, But discombobulated does not even begin to experience the feelings we felt. Uh, by 8.13 a.m., we were on the road, and um, just as a side note, if you're ever in this situation, 
don't pack a bag, just get to the hospital, especially if birth mom is at a seven and um, is two hours away. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I forced Austin to speed a little bit. I said, listen, there's a car seat in the box in the back and any cop's gonna believe us the way we're acting. So it's fine. <laughs> um, so 10, 10 a.m., um, we get to the hospital and I meet birth mom's worker at the door and she fills me in on some details and swiftly walks me up to the birthing room. And the emotions I felt on that walk are indescribable. It was the shortest and longest walk and I hadn't done a very good job preparing for this moment. Um, I felt ill-prepared to meet our son's birth mother and yet so thankful that she wanted us to be there sharing in this moment. It was so kind of her and I'll never forget it. I walk into the birthing room and birth mom offers a side hug as she's laying in the bed waiting to begin pushing and all I could do is hug her and cry. I mean, what do you even say to the woman who's playing a key role in helping you become a mom? And at 10.23 a.m., I had the beautiful opportunity of seeing our son Sam come into the world. A moment I will never forget. And since he was born a month, a month early, he was admitted to the NICU shortly thereafter to learn how to take a bottle. And so um, we didn't really get to visit with birth mom that day. And so the next day, we had the honor of spending an hour with her. And we told her that we were all family now and that she would always be welcome to be a part of Sam's life if she wanted to. This is the part that gets me. And she told me that she believed that everyone deserved to be a mom and that she knew that I would make a good one. And those were some of the most healing words that I've ever heard, and that's the woman who needed to tell me them. All of the prayers and tears I've ever cried over desiring a child were all worth it. This was a story that only the God of the universe could orchestrate. And there are so many other details I wish I could share with you that signify what a miracle that Sam is, but it's just not my story to tell. And I can't finish without sharing how Hannah's story ends. So in verse 19, Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him from the Lord. In becoming a mother, I have come to know God as more generous than I ever dared thought, more adventurous and faithful than I believed, and more kind than I ever gave him credit for. I could not control when and how I became a mother. I could not choose who would gift us the most beautiful son, and I couldn't choose when God would speak Samuel's life into existence. What I could choose to control was my trust in God and how I poured out my grief to him time and time again. And quite frankly, I had nowhere else to turn. He is the only one who could offer the kind of hope I was looking for. Relinquishing this sense of control has relieved so much pressure in being a mom. I've learned in my short time as a mom how important it is to hand over all of my cares and concerns to the one who loves us most. 
I have come to know and learn that God is the true giver of all good gifts and that God has chosen Austin and I to be this little boy's parents and becoming a mother is something I will always praise and thank God for. And um, I wrote out a blessing for you guys that I would like to read. It's the little card that I gave you. And um, the picture on it is actually of the falls in Sioux Falls, and it was actually taken on the day that we went for fertility testing. Um, I had a lot of, both my doctor and my counselor um, had both been through fertility struggles, and both of them encouraged me that I needed to keep on living my life. And so I did just that, um, but I'd just like to read this over you. Uh, May you continue to look up to the Father, the giver of all good things, the one who remembers you, Even when you hear silence, may you choose to remember him in all of his goodness and faithfulness. May you pour out your soul to him, placing your grief and anxieties in his hands. He is well acquainted with your heartache, and he hears you. May you come to know him as generous and kind, more than you ever dared to believe. Do not lower your expectations or lose hope, for hope seen is not hope at all. Continue to trust in him and his plans for you. Where else will you go? Yeah. Thanks for listening to my story. Everyone have the tissues ready? Good. Uh, man, I, the, uh, I can't remember exactly what day it was. It might have been, gosh, we were having dinner at the Hillcrest and Austin and Mel kind of told me, and they were kind of keeping it under wraps, but they told me that that you know Samuel was going to be theirs, and there were still some processes and things to go through, but I just broke out crying. <laughs> like, uh, man, people must have thought I was nuts in the middle of a dinner. Just start, just tears start flowing, just because just what a joyful, incredibly gracious God that we have. Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, I have asked Mel to share, and then I was talking, I was thinking, man, who else could share this morning? And so there's a few names that, that haven't shared before, and so please welcome Peg Mason. Well, I'm not sure if I can do a good job as Mel did. She was amazing. And we are, everyone in this church, blessed because of them. Um, Hello, my name is Peg Mason. I am humble and honored to speak today. My prayer is, Lord, guide my words today to share your message of hope, love, and joy. Amen. Focusing on Mother's Day, I recall my first Mother's Day. When I was pregnant with our son, my husband was in the Army. We were stationed in Colorado Springs. We decided to a surprise trip to Iowa, 11 hours each way, for Mother's Day, 42 years ago. So if you do the math, I was 22 when I took him home. We came to my parents' home on Sunday morning to, before church to surprise them. I gave Mom a card wishing Grandma a happy Mother's Day. She read the card and then told me I'd given her the wrong card. And I replied, no, you are going to be a grandma. 
So this is how we announced our first baby. We then went to church with mom and dad, and mom could share to the whole world that she was going to be a grandma. Uh, Psalms 9.12 spoke to my heart. I will give thanks to the, you, O Lord, all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises of your name, O Most High. And if that doesn't rely both on a new mom sharing the information and an adoptive mother sharing that they finally have that baby in arms, it talks to all of us. I am blessed to have been raised in a Christian home. Mom had me at Bible studies, lady aid, Sunday school, church service long before I was ever born. I've had a heart for Jesus as long as I can remember. Asking Jesus into my heart as a teenager is the best thing that I've done. This does not mean I'm perfect Christian, does not mean I have not had trials and challenges. It does mean that I have God who loves me. He forgives me when I mess up. He has joy when I do well. He blesses me and leads me. Psalm 23, which many of us know, this is in the NIV. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkness valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And there's often as parents, as we grow and raise kids, we need to recite that because we know sometimes when we're in that dark valley that God is our light. Recently, I've been attending a local Bible study. One of the ladies has asked me several times, what are you? Because I don't belong to that church. So I've wrote this description. I'm a Bible-believing, born-again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongue-talking, follower of Jesus Christ, the Son of the one true God. I follow Jesus, the name that is above all names. He forgives my imperfections. I cling to the belief that God's power lives in me and through the Holy Spirit lives through me and through the Holy Spirit. I have witnessed the power of prayer, and many of you have heard or know these words of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then 17 is just as important. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And we can live in glory with him. While seeking the inspiration for this message, I was drawn to Genesis, the story of Abram and Sarah. Sorry, Sarai. In Genesis 12, 12, God told Abram, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. Abram chose to believe, trust, and follow God. 
wherever God directed them. There were many seasons of travel and believing and following God. Abram also messed up with insecurity and poor choices, like we still mess up today. Faith grows stronger through our trials and devotion to God. Through these seasons, God was there, loving Abram, growing a relationship together. God still seeks a relationship with each of us. In Genesis 17, we learn about God's covenant with Abram. God said, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of nations. Your name will be Abraham. Also in Genesis 17, 15, God spoke to Abram again, as for Sarai, your wife will be Sarah. She will, be, will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Now God made these declarations to Abraham and Sarah about becoming father and mother and being the leaders of these nations when they were 190, one was 100, one was 90 years old, and they had not had any children. So our God is a God of miracles because he created a son for them that still is the founder of many religions. We are just grateful that we are on the right path with Christ Jesus. As believers, we follow Jesus Christ. We are adopted into God's family. I spoke about the seasons that Abraham and God spent growing in relationship. This makes me think about the seasons as women as we grow, grow through different seasons. As a child, we are known as a daughter, a sister. As a young lady, we can be a girlfriend or a fiance. As a young adult, Many become wives and blessed with being a mother. And with maturity, we are blessed to become grandmother. And even some become great grandmothers. Through all these seasons of change and name changes that we see here, we are growing in our relationship with Christ. We are the, he is the one that is there to protect us and lead us and guide us. And we are so grateful that we can grow with him and learn more in every season that we're in. God is good. I am a mother of two adult children who have blessed me with eight wonderful grandchildren. I am very grateful. Being around them gives me joy. God is good. God created family and seeks us to be his chosen people. I have a few words of wisdom now in conclusion. Number one, love God. Trust him, follow him, praise him. Number two, don't ever stop being impressed with Jesus. Remember the joy of your salvation. Recall the name of Jesus is above all names. Teach your children by your actions. Four, God doesn't have grandchildren. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. You are adopted as a son or a daughter. Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So he has known you before you were ever created. Number five, pray. Pray for each other. Pray for your children. Pray for this world. There's a Dr. Carolyn Leaf who is a neuroscientist who has researched prayer. 
She is a Christian, and she wants to prove to the science community that prayer changes things. Her recent study was a result from focused prayer of 12 minutes daily for 90 days, so we're talking three months, and they can see a difference in a brain scan. So she has proven that prayer changes things, and we all know that. We have all prayed for miracles, and we've seen them. We've prayed for miracles, and we've waited to see them. But as long as we continue to believe and focus in prayer, we will see God's hand in all of this. Now, another thing I have not talked to Mel about is 1 Samuel 127. It says, for this child I have prayed. I have that in a poster on my wall uh, so that to remind me to pray. I also have my alarm set on my phone every day at 7 p.m. to pray for my kids and my grandkids. Be an encourager, be grateful, and you are blessed to be a blessing. Let's pray. So I quit. My nose quits running and I quit crying. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate the blessings you have given us as mothers. We are physical mothers, we are adoptive mothers, and we are spiritual mothers. There are many times that the motherless has affected so many young mothers with her encouragement and her guidance from you, and we thank you for everyone. We also thank you for the Father's Lord, otherwise we wouldn't be in this position. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This last uh, speaker, so this last year, over the last year, and not actually over the pandemic, we've actually been, man, it's been a blessing that uh, we've, you know, we've had some people that have gone and they haven't returned yet. And we've also seen the church grow with new families. And one of the new families has been Robert and Noreen Graham. And uh, yeah, yeah, Robert and Noreen Graham. I mean, mostly for Noreen, but we can give Robert a hand too. So that's good. Uh, but no, uh, Robert grew up here. Uh, his his father lived here, and then they moved here from Seattle, right? And they lived in California for a little while, right? Am I wrong? You were stationed in California, and then you lived in Seattle, and you moved here. And so, and so, we we're. I was thinking about again who to who to have come and speak, and who to share. And the Lord laid Noreen on my heart. So please welcome Noreen Graham. <laughs> Just in case, right? Good morning, everyone. God is good, right? So like Pastor said, my name is Noreen Graham. Um, we live in Washington, like he said, for 30 years, where we raise our three children. Esterville, though, is not a new place for me. I've actually lived here for a couple of years in the late 80s. I actually worked at Alco and Hardy's while I was attending Iowa Lakes Community College. I grew up in the Philippines, and I was raised in a town near Subic Bay. For you who were in the Navy in the, in the earlier than 90s, you'll know this place. My dad actually worked for the U.S. military base. And uh, I came to the United States after meeting my husband over there. We met over there when he was stationed there. I was going to college, and 
we moved here. Um, my husband and I raised three boys whom are now adults. We are proud of them as they have become re responsible and loving children. What I want to talk to you about today is not solely focused on motherhood or Mother's Day. God put in my heart a topic that pertains to all of us, which is the secret place of the Most High. I wrote my message so I can focus on what I need to say. Having raised in a family that spoke three languages, my filters sometimes often slows me down while I'm speaking. So how can we define secret place? My main verse today is Psalm 91. We'll read that in a little bit. The word secret appears in the Bible many times in different translations. It can mean shelter, covering, or dwelling. In Hebrew, it meant to hide or be concealed. This word, um, we can find in one of the verses. For some reason, my verses went blank, and they were not blank. So I just trust the Lord in this one. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Here it speaks of the hidden, of the hidden word of a mother's womb as a child develops. For this word is also used in another verse, which again, it went blank on my, on my copy here. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs and deliverance. On Psalm 91, it says, He that dwells in the, in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, meaning to remain stable, under the shadow of the Almighty. Remember when you were a child, when you found a place in the bushes or under a stairs where you hid? Where you, when you were there, you imagined that no one will find you. You felt protected and safe. You had to tell your best friend about it because secret places are better shared with someone you love and trust. That is the picture that Psalm 91, verse 1 paints. Excuse me. That God has a secret place where he is inviting each one of us to join him there. He just does not invite us, but he wants us to dwell in there with him, meaning to move away from the enticements of the world and move into this secret place. Where is this secret place, you may ask? In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in heaven who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees that what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus often retreated to a quiet place to, to commune with the Father. It is helpful to be in a quiet, quiet place and designated location where you can spend uninterrupted time with God. How can we get to this secret place? This place is available to anyone who is willing to come. God is probably much eager to spend time with you than you with him because he loves you and desires to be with you. Who is continuously knocking at the door of your heart for you to let him in. The secret place of the Most High offers things that will not cost anything, but it did cost him his life to give it to you. He knows everything about you. He knows where you've been in your life and even knows your DNA to a T. The secret place is where we find peace, forgiveness, healing and protection and the protection of God. 
It is not a physical location, but it's the condition or posture of your heart. We must be willing to quiet our hearts before him and allow him to investigate those dark places we reveal to no one else. Secret places imply honesty and trust. We cannot join God in his secret place unless we are willing to be transparent and honest with him. Tell him anything and everything you need to say. You can tell him what you need him to purify your heart, that you need him to heal you, to comfort you, and to deliver you. God knows everything anyway before he even comes out of your mouth. Your heart is laid bare in the eyes of God. A salvation activates the Holy Spirit in our lives. Surrender activates our relationship with God. What happens when a person surrenders? They have their hands up. They give up all and their will, their will and everything they have. When we surrender our hearts to God, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way and allow his will in our lives. I will read Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness shall be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe the eyes, only observe with your eyes and the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will befall you or overtake you, and no disaster shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up with their hands so that you will not, you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Reading these passages melts my heart every time. I can't imagine someone loving me this much. It can't, it's like he can't wait for us to spend time with him so he can love on us. He wants to protect us, watch over us, heal us, and deliver us. But if the secret place sounds so perfect, why is it that sometimes we find it so hard to go there? I... I believe I, I identified two reasons. I believe that one reason is unbelief. Some do, some do not believe that God can be this personal 
and that he actually wants, wants to give us all these things. You might have asked for this, his help before, but you have felt that he did not answer you. You felt abandoned and neglected. You told yourself, he must not love me. Therefore, I will not expect anything from him again. But today, he wants me to tell you that he has not forgotten you, that he loves you more than you will ever know. He gave up his son so you can be reunited with him. I bet you, even if you were the only human being on this earth, he will still send his son to die for you. He will come looking for you. Another reason why is it difficult to get into the secret place is fear. Fear is associated with punishment. We think that if God finds out what we have done, he will not forgive us. We might have had some life experiences that made us fearful of, of God. In Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Fear is not of God. The enemy stills fear in us so we cannot experience the presence of God. 1 John 4.18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is not fear. If we are afraid, it is not for fear of punishment. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far, he has removed our transgressions from us. Hebrews 8.12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. And Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we spend time with God daily, we become so familiar with his presence that you will start to see him in every circumstance. Your faith all of a sudden rises up and expands. Praying for others becomes easier because you have done it with him in the secret place. You will lay hands on the sick and you will have faith that they will be healed because he did that for you in the secret place. You will tell others how much God loves them because he told you that in the secret place. Before you know it, you will become a warrior, a mighty warrior for the Lord. Not only you will use your sword, which is the word of God, to defeat your enemies, but you'll also learn to use your scepter, which is a symbol of your authority given to you by God. In the last verses of Psalm 91, I believe summarizes his love for us, and I will paraphrase. Because you love me, says the Lord, I will, I will rescue you. You will call upon me, and I will answer you. I will protect you for not you acknowledge my name. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. I don't know about you, but reading these words eliminate all my fears. Psalm 91 came true to me when I got sick a few years ago. I was so sick that I felt I was dying. Test after test, specialist after specialist. But all my tests were coming out normal. The dark doctors cannot find anything wrong with me. I was weak and desperate, and I cried out to the Lord, and he led me to his secret place. 
As I poured out my heart to him, he led me to this psalm. I read it many times a day, hanging on to every word, declaring his promises over me. I would literally read to myself every word and tell myself that he's protecting me day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. God and his faithfulness came through and healed me. Not just my physical being, but also my spirit. I am here to tell you that God is faithful, merciful, and gracious. If he has showed up for me, I assure you that he will show up for you too. He says on Matthew eleven eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you desire us to be, for us to be with you. Forgive us if we have not trusted you. Forgive us for making our sins greater than your forgiveness. Create in us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us. We declare that surely your goodness and loving kindness will follow us all the days of our lives. We seek your glory to empower our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray for those who are suffering from guilt and shame. I speak against every bondage, and I lose its power in Jesus' name. Are you rebuke the spirit of fear. It will no longer bind us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, because perfect love casts away all fear, and we receive that love today. Fill each one of us with your unspeakable joy, because your joy is our strength. Help us see you in every circumstance that we face, that we may glorify your name in every victory. Thank you. Thank you, Noreen. So you speak three languages. What, what are the languages? Okay. Um, my, my, I, let me give you a little bit of history of the Philippines. Every province in the Philippines, which is like a similar to a state, they have their own dialect. So my dad had one. My mom had a different one. We have a national language, and so English would be my fourth. So how do you say Happy Mother's Day in those dialects? Uh, <laughs> Happy Mother's Day? Uh, we just say uh, greeting is maligayang bati. Um, nanay is mother. Okay. So that would be... Say nanay? Nanay. Am nanay. I saying it right? Nanay? Nanay. 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 Happy Nanai Day. <laughs> Give her a hand. Thank you so much. While she was speaking, I was reminded. Uh, I, 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 I'm fairly sure I have the names and dates accurate, but years and years ago I was in a church, and there was a woman named Carla. And Carla had a son named Mike. And Mike was a friend of my brother's and a friend of mine. And it was, I believe it was a Mother's Day or it was close to Mother's Day. And we were having a service. We had a service at the church. And she came up at the end of the service crying, just brokenhearted. And she went to the pastor and she said that years earlier, before her son Mike was born, she had gotten pregnant and had had an abortion. And 
that every Mother's Day and every anniversary of that day that she terminated the child, she said just she was racked with guilt and shame. And she just remember I mean she just she became sorrowful every year on Mother's Day. And I still remember. And you know, we want to be a church that speaks truth, right? But we want to speak truth in love. And so how many know that the Lord is gracious and the Lord is graceful and he is forgiving? And our pastor, our pastor at the time reminded her of God's goodness and God's favor upon her life and, and of God's forgiveness. And it only comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. It only comes by the blood. And so just like what Noreen said, there is no sin that Jesus won't forgive. There is no sin that his blood won't cover. And so, Lord, let, let us stand this morning. And I just want to say how grateful and thankful we are for the cross this morning. Amen. Amen. If you are a mother this morning, I want you to just kind of rest your hand on yourself. If you're not a mother, look around, find a mother, and just outstretch your hand towards them. We want to bless them this morning. Lord, we bless the mothers that are here in this place. Lord, we pray this morning that as they uh, watch over their children, Lord, as they are just celebrated today, Lord, we pray that you give, continue to give them wisdom, give them strength, give them courage. Lord, speak to them. Lord, help them to raise their children in the Lord. Lord, I pray that they are raising young sons and daughters of the Most High, that they are raising warriors in the kingdom. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you continue to speak to and through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we pray over those who are here this morning, over those who are watching online. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. We pray that you would keep them. Lord, we pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, we pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen.